ladies and gentlemen of all ages, boys and girls. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Angry Meat Production. We appreciate you coming in and letting us be a part of your lives week in and week out. We hope to do our best to present you with something that your eardrums delight in. Whether you're looking at us on YouTube or Rumble, or listening to us on Spotify, Google, or Anchor, or any of the other podcast services that we are currently on or trying to get on, we thank you. And if you don't mind, at the end of every episode, stop by, leave us a comment, leave us a like. If it asks for five stars, we'll take five stars, even if you don't like us. Five stars are what it's all about. With that being said, we hope you enjoy our attempt to make our advocation our vocation. Ladies and gentlemen, let the games begin. Make sure I get them both on. Welcome, Angry Faithful. Today we have uh, from the podcast Chase the Vase, uh, Brock, man, I'm, Brock Bevel. There you go. And uh, the reason why I wanted to have you on on the show, because I listened to you on uh, BC's podcast and Sky's podcast, The Disruptors, and how you overcame addiction. And uh, I talk a lot about uh, what happened with my mom, my own personal life with my mother, where she ended up, uh, she had a slip disc. They, all they did was put her on painkillers. This is early 2000s, uh, late uh, no, uh, 1999, that time frame. And they just had her own uh, painkillers. That was her, that, that, they didn't want to fix the problem where all they had to do nowadays, uh, which is really sad, is they'll go in and do surgery and fix the uh, problem, get it fixed. You're not on painkillers anymore uh, or opiates, what you're addicted to also. And she ended up passing away. Uh, she ended up committing suicide because she couldn't handle uh, being off of those uh, pills. And it just anytime that someone says like, "Hey, I'm 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 into a pill," so I was like, "Get off that stuff. It's it's not worth it." Even I I even as like a, a, a close friend of mine, he was uh, addicted to pain pills. I was like, "We'll walk it through." He was like, mm. well, "Suck." I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to step with you every step of the way. You're not going to do this alone." Yeah. If you if you need help and everything, it, you got me. <clears throat> well, he, here's the issue, man. Where a lot of people who aren't in active addiction, who have never used or had to had to detox off opioids. So just to understand, the opioids are a pain uh, painkiller. They they attach to the pain receptors in the body. So you let's say let's say you're in a a mad traffic accident, your femur sticking out your your skin, right? It's a compound fracture. You go to the hospital. First thing they do is give you opioids. And yeah. you're in la la land, dude. You're not, you're looking down at that leg, just laughing. Like this is not, it doesn't hurt. Well, that's what they do. That's what they were made for today. Um, what, what I was using, I was 10 times what I was supposed to be using. I was eating those things and I was masking the emotional, the emotional, the mental pain that I was going through. Right. And, and what was crazy was it, it helped. It helped until I had to get off. And that's where the shit hits the fan, to be 100% honest with you. Most people that we work with on a daily basis fear the detox more than anything else. They don't want to go through it. They're like, dude, my life is in such disarray. It's I've lost everything my family my job my car i'm homeless but i still don't want to quit because i don't want the pain that's what people don't understand about the opioids is it is rough to come off yeah now nowadays they have it where if you if they put you on any kind of opiates for uh a limited time just for the surgery and everything uh for the surgery is they keep you in the hospital to bring you off of those pills sometimes. Yeah, they help you wean off. Now, here's the problem, brother. What happens if you're like me and you love it? Yes. You know, so here's the deal. You leave the hospital. Now you're in search of it. And fentanyl pills 
are $2 and 50 cents a pill, bro. Ugh. Okay. So think about that. I'm getting the same. I'm getting up even a better high with fentanyl a longer high. And it's costing me $2 and 50 cents. Whereas when I was, when I was selling my pills back in the day, um, I lost you there for a second. That's the difference, dude, is it's it's not even the same game. What the? Illusia? It, it's saying my internet's unstable. Hold on real quick. Let me check something real quick. I'm sorry. You're right, dude. It looks good, man. On my end, you look great. Let me check here. Because every once in a while it'll it'll have a hiccup. No, it's not on my end. It, it's just being stubborn, I guess, for a second there. Uh but no, uh, go ahead and go back what you're talking about, about chasing that stuff, because it, it just cut out on that. Uh, on that. Yeah. So so you got to understand, man, like when I was when I was selling my pills, I got addicted, got run over, got hooked on pills. And I was getting shoot, dude, I was t- I was getting tons, three doctors, hand, foot, knee doctor. And uh, I could doctor shop all day. So, I mean, I was coming home with big old bottles, 280 pills, 280 pills. I had a buddy that I would I would sell my pills to basically give them to him. I wouldn't sell them. I'd give them to him. He'd take them down, sell them, and then bring me back some cash. And I could sell them 20, 60, depending on the milligrams, right? If you're getting Oxy 30, you could. they were 20, 30 bucks. Well, today, a, a pill, a lookalike, a synthetic opioid, a synthetic oxy two dollars and fifty cents and that's the issue is what we're dealing with it's we're not playing the same game dude we're not playing the same game it was when i was i was in active addiction this stuff's different man and and guys coming off it the detox process brutal how how brutal is it? Is it just uh, is it because from what I understand from what someone was telling me is like uh, it's like uh, crunching in your stomach. No, it's, it's almost like ripping you apart, bro. I I wish I wish that's what it was. I spent seven days in my shower, in my bathroom, on the floor. Um, it it was like it's it's almost indescribable. It's like the flu. You have the flu mm-hmm. with no energy. You can't get up. Uh, you're, you're dry heaving and you're crapping yourself. You're urinating yourself. You have no energy. And I was, there was, there was a time there that I was dry heaving so bad that I promise you, I was waiting for my backbone to come up my mouth. Like it was, it was, it was tragic, bro. Like I've been, I've been run over. I mean, I I had some massive injuries, dude. And I, I would rather take that then go through that withdrawal process and and a, re, and a detox process any day of the week. And you did all this all yourself. You did. I it, did that. That just is still character right there, honestly. Because there, there's a lot of stuff that I mean, going out and uh, doing something that on on your on your own to the point to where you're you're in this pain now. Were you homeless at the time when you're detoxing or? No, dude, I, I, I had a beautiful home. I had, uh, I was divorced. My kids were with mom. I alienated everybody. I mean, the funny part is nobody even knew what was going They knew something was going on, but they didn't know I was addicted. They just thought I was a dick, right? <laughs> Think about the re, the root word of addiction, dude, is a dick. Yeah. Right. I don't I know it sounds crazy, but it's true, dude. Like addiction takes everything from you. And so I had alienated. I had nobody coming. That's what the spooky part when I talk about it now is I had nobody, dude. I had no support team, no friends. Nobody was coming to save me. Nobody was coming through the front door to to rescue me. 
I I was alone. That was rough. Sorry. Uh on on the scale of uh uh what what from point A to point B cuz you say you're run over and that's what started this whole what do you what happened with that uh when you got ran over? What so you... that was I was working on a case with my partner. We were uh working an undercover case. And this is kind of crazy. People don't understand how how the the underworld works, but as cops we we had informants. The best informants out there were our local prostitutes. Okay. They know everything like seriously i mean it's crazy to think but they know the dopers they know they know everything they they're they're at they're there Mm -hmm. right and my partner and i had rested this prostitute a bunch of times we knew her but and we'd use her too we'd use her for information and we would we would trade information for not arresting her basically right Um, she always had warrants she always had dope on her and so her, but her information was pretty credible, which is which is interesting uh, when you're dealing with informants because it, it's always what's in it for me. And so on this particular night, uh, we made contact with her on a street, and she had a warrant for her arrest, a misdemeanor prostitution warrant, something silly, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, hey, if you don't confirm that warrant, if you don't take me to jail, I want to give you a piece of information that I think you'll want to work you want to trade out. And so she tells us, she goes and tells us that the reason she's telling us this is she doesn't want the daughter, this 12 year old girl who's going to be involved in the case to go down the same road she went down. So okay. basically here's what the story was. Um, a lady uh, named Cindy LaFond was getting out of prison, getting out of jail on a, on a, on a, I think it was a Friday judge had seen her and said, Hey, you have 12 felony warrants. I want you back in court on Monday for a hearing. I'm going to sentence you, but I'm going to allow you to go home, get your affairs in order. So Cindy drives home on her drive home to pick up her 12-year-old daughter. She makes a phone call to a drug dealer down here in the valley, in, in Phoenix, basically. And the deal was, I'm going to bring my daughter. You can have sex with her, but you have to trade, you have to trade dope for me. So you get her for a time. The deal's going down. Well, this local prostitute was aware of this. And she's like, listen, there no 12-year-old should be going through this. So here's the information. Don't take me to jail. Work this case. It's basically it was the trade-off. So we set up on the location where this truck was driven by Cindy LaFon with her 12-year-old daughter. She pulls right into the to this uh, strip mall, followed by this dude on a bicycle who was the local do- dealer named Bobby, a.k.a. Bobby. I'm throwing out his nickname and Bobby comes around, goes to open the passenger side window, just or door, just like, just like this young lady said, right. We were able to infiltrate the, the, the scene and basically arrested the guy, went to take mom into custody. She became, uh, she didn't want to go to jail threw her truck in reverse and ran myself and my partner over. And oh. so we sustained some serious injuries and, we were able to apprehend her and arrest her and take her to jail. And, you know, and, and, and the story goes on, but the crazy part was mentally that messed me up, dude. I'm like, who in the F dude would put their daughter. I mean, I'm, I'm married at this time. I have, I have, I have uh, four daughters and one son. Right. And I'm just thinking to myself and I, at the time, I don't, I don't think I had my youngest yet, but I'm like, dude, who, who does this shit? Who, who puts their kids through this, who would who would ever do this? Who would where, where would your mind have to go to be willing to prostitute your daughter for dope? It, you know, it's it's, it's, it's hard, I, dude. I come across stories like that all the time, and it still freaks me uh, freaks me out of uh, humanity. How I, I came across where uh, the there is a couple in uh, I think it was Duncan, Oklahoma. What did they do? Uh, they they were tired of their child just screaming and yelling and they just tased the child literally to death. And I was like, I, you tried holding the baby and see if that works, you know, give it some tension. It's just one of those things that I, it it baffles me. I'm, I might say some horrible stuff, you know, 
that as a joke doing comedy but when it comes to like kids oh man i will i don't care i was like just recently one uh one of the uh apartment uh people they thought they lost their kid the baby i i ran all around in the block on my foot just trying to find this kid i i can't understand why anybody would do something like that against a kid yeah but uh, on that note, what uh, <laughs> it's weird to go go out of, but going going nowadays, uh, I've uh, listened to a lot of your stuff on Instagram, and it, go go to his Instagram. It, it's basically your name, uh, Brock Bevel. That's it, Brock Bevel. Sorry, I'm I'm horrible at names. That's all right, bro. <laughs> but uh talking about fentanyl i just i just started uh researching the stuff on fentanyl now because i was wondering what narcocan was narcan yeah narcan yeah i was wondering i was like because i remember i think it was a movie called uh we own the night and they ended up uh they bust this open this party and they put something in the guy's nose and it was just all black and it, it flushed out all the chemicals that it was in his nose. I think they were just doing coke. And I was like, oh, is that it? Is that the advanced stuff? And it, I went down a rabbit hole of sheriff's department just accidentally touching uh, an overdose of Narcan. And they're out. It's automatic. And yeah. I, some of that stuff's Yeah. Some of that stuff's being debunked a little bit where – there has been um it's saying uh, experts are now saying that it it's not an immediate exposure like through the skin is going to cause an overdose it is if it gets in your mouth if you ingest it smell it through your eyes any of that then it is so if it's powdered form that's more likely to do that or liquid powder no. liquid okay. yeah anything like that you eat it i mean they're these cartels man they're putting in everything right now god it's just because i'm how close is the border with uh uh mexico to us yeah (laughs) i can be there in three hours okay yeah it's it's i'm in 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 the top part of texas but still get i still go along the border to hang out with some people but i just it's just one of those things that i just can't imagine something just hitting you that much uh, that fast so as I, I was wondering if that was actually real or not because i've all seen well let me give you a little if you don't mind man i don't know i don't know where your listeners are at but there there's there is real pharmaceutical fentanyl you've heard of a fentanyl patch right yeah. doctors will prescribe you a fentanyl patch for pain yeah, that is legal. You can get that over over uh, like through a script at your pharmacy. Well, here's what's happening: is the illicit fentanyl is chemical based. If you and if you think about heroin, it comes from poppy, right? The poppy seed, the poppy plant. Where we hear about all this in Afghanistan and Vietnam and all this, right? That it came from a plant, and it takes. It takes a while to get these plants to grow well enough that you can make heroin. So it's a lengthy process. That's why heroin is different, the cost of it, right? Well, fentanyl is a synthetic. It's made in a lab. It's chemical-based. So basically like uh, uh, meth. Yeah, 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 where you have the precursor chemicals coming together to create the meth. It's the same thing that they're doing to create fentanyl. Now, it's coming from China in in that form from in a pharmaceutical grade shipped to cartels in Mexico. The the cartels are taking it from that format and they're placing it into the the chemicals and the precursors whatever they're using baking soda whatever. And they're they're using professional grade pill presses that can that can I I believe from what I heard they can they can pump out like twenty pills twenty thousand pills an hour Jesus and these pills are stamped with the M 
they're blue in color. They're they look they look very similar to what what we're buying from the farm. You know, from our pharmacy, you get you get an oxy thirty. You know, it looks the same. And so they're doing everything they can to make it look exactly like that. Here's the problem: the cartels are not pharmacists. They're not. They don't know how to weigh this stuff out. So we call it the chocolate chip uh, cookie effect, right? You know, have you ever had a chocolate chip cookie and you're like, damn, where the fr- where the hell are the co- chocolate chips, right? Yeah. You take two yeah. bites, there's none in there. Then you take your next bite and it's just full of chocolate chips. Well, it's the same thing. When they're making these pills and they're using the press, the, the fentanyl, the powder, the, the, the precursors are not coming out perfectly. They're coming out in clumps. So one pill may have 10% fentanyl. The next pill might have 12% fentanyl. The next pill might have 80% fentanyl. Hmm. And so that's what's happening is the strength. The the pills being seized today by the DEA, they're being tested. Of the pills that are being secured by the DEA, they have a 60% fentanyl in them. Jesus. So that is so we're hearing about this overdose rate because you have these kill kids that are going to a party. And they're being offered a hydrocodone, an oxycotton. They think, hey, dude, this is just an oxy. I've taken it before. I got them from my mom's cupboard. They take it and then they die because it's fentanyl laced. So that's that's the that's the dilemma that when I say we're not even the same game. Um the, uh, w- so the pills that I was taking from the pharmacy back when I had my injury was legit. Hydro, hydro or an oxycotton. Mm-hmm. Today, the pills are taken. The same pill, the look like pill, is sixty to a hundred percent times stronger than that pill. Jeez. So we're 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 not even talking the same medication anymore. You know what I mean? We're talking this shit's off the chart. So I don't know about you guys in Texas, but Arizona, we're being inundated with with poisoning deaths. They're not overdose deaths. They're not fentanyl overdose. It's a fentanyl poisoning because these kids, these people don't even know what's in them and they're being killed. Yeah, it's it's more or less in uh, southern part like Houston, uh, San Antonio, Austin area and El Paso. Uh, it, it Along the southern border, we got uh, a lot of uh, drug problems, uh, immigration problems, but that's anything along the border. But like places like El Paso or anything that's really just along the border, it's it's just it's like a hundred times. You're mm-hmm. you're you're looking at a war zone. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it and that's what a lot of people don't understand. They they look at uh what they think is a safe area and 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 the state's actually shipping the immigrate uh, immigration people, the, the illegals, to a different state. Dude, I saw that. It that that's a small amount. I'm telling you right now, that's it's literally a small amount, and it's not really. And a lot of people is like, oh, it's just they're just uh, pushing back Mexicans. It's like it's not Mexicans. The most people that's uh, illegal immigrants that are like in San Antonio right now, Nigerians. Wow. Figure that one out. Yeah. Yeah, it, the border is a lot uh the southern border is a lot easier to cross than, than any northern it's an open border. Yeah, it really is an open border and it's not it's not just Mexicans. It's anybody that can Venezuelans, yeah. Dominicanos, uh, yeah, it's everywhere, dude. And Middle Eastern. And that that's a scary part too. And and I've talked to people that they think they're high in their intelligence when they're they just never really I mean I did ranch rescue for a little bit for like uh four months and I had to go back home. It's just one of those one I, I end up doing stuff because, you know, oh that's interesting. Let's go try it. Tried it, don't like it. I tried ranching, actual ranching at work. <laughs> that's not for me. Those guys, any anytime I eat a piece of meat, I think a rancher only because I know how hard they work. Mm. And it is yeah, yeah. really tough work. But it's 
if you actually look at the border and I've talked to other border patrollers too that ended up uh, working corrections with me and they said it's 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 the toughest job because you you're always on the lookout but in uh dealing with the 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 fentanyl cases that you you've seen as a cop what's the 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 win ratio that you see or is it is it like a 1980 cocaine problem dude we're not winning um i've been out of the department a while man i never i never saw fentanyl um i took fentanyl when i was uh healing you know i had fentanyl patches prescribed to me we're not winning this battle dude we're we're about two years behind it what we're see we're seeing some awesome snags by the border patrol and phoenix police where we're getting two million three million pills at a pop dude the concern is we're under siege with this shit and here's the problem. If you know much about, I mean, you're 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 law enforcement. You understand what I'm talking about. Um, I, I, I was just correction, correct, like two, correction, two and a half years. And okay, well, hey, corrections, corrections yeah. do, but 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 understanding that with this fentanyl epidemic, with cocaine, with methamphetamines, becomes additional problems because there's always guns. Yeah, there's always money, and there's always crime. So just because we hear about this fentanyl epidemic, we're 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 not seeing a lot of behind the scenes what's going on. And that's what's scary, dude. Like these guys are moving a lot of weight. And if we're if we're hitting uh seizures of of four and five million dollars and four and five million pills, what are we missing? Yeah. Well, it's it's funny, and this is where uh uh it's it's a book called Shadows of the Empire. It's part of the Star Wars universe. And the the first page in it, it says is uh if let me get this exactly right. Uh if crime didn't pay, there'd be less people doing it. There and, you go. It, and it it really is true. I was like and, and I say that to a lot of people, it's like, oh, where where'd you get that from? Was it like a it was Star Wars? Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and crazy is is a lot of the kids um in Arizona they're getting into the trafficking because of the money, you know they're they're they'll they're willing to traffic bodies they're tr- willing to traffic dope because the 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 cartels pay man, and you, and you got a sixteen eighteen year old kid that can make twenty thousand dollars a month, I'm in bro. Yeah, we just I had- know there's some risk. Yeah, but come on, we just had a was it like three months ago that they found like a, a trailer with like 46 dead bodies in it because they were uh coyote didn't let them out of the uh truck at all and all that heat from i mean yeah. it's just summer i mean like from what someone told me in the cartel when i was working in uh, uh up of the uh prison he said it's it's the simplest thing to traffic a body Cause you'll get them to pay like probably around about, he had them pay $3,000 a head and you have like, it was 46 people. You got $3,000 a head, do the math. It's, and it's an easy run for them. Yeah. Cause if anything goes wrong, he just releases them and they just go out and he keeps the money and there's no proof that he actually trafficked anybody. Which yeah, is- it's rough, dude. We're we're in we're in a war, dude. That's the that's the biggest concern that we have, and that that's what concerns me the most is people don't really see that war. They 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 live in a little bit of a higher tower, and they believe they're 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 higher than a lot of people that actually seen this stuff. I mean, until you actually go out and see what's going on at our southern border and other places i mean you got like miami uh sometimes with the uh cubans and puerto rico well not puerto ricans they they actually they can come across easy because they're the u.s citizens technically but you have other uh ha- haitians 
I was in here the other one. And some of them want to come over and all they want to do is make a better life. I understand that. I applaud that. Yes, I wish there was an easier way to get the the vent those people when they're coming in. It's like, hey, are you a good person? You can't just go, yeah, I'm a good person. And they walk on and let them on through. They have to be vented. They have to be vented to the point to where, hey, have you done any crimes in your own? And that's the only reason why you're crossing the border. And everybody doesn't understand that. And they're like, no, just let them. They're all, they're all good. How many times have you seen on the news that one of the illegal, uh, illegal aliens that crossed the border was a child rapist and kept on being a child rapist? Or a murderer, and he's crossing the border, and you're you're thinking that's okay. I mean, it's tough, man. We're 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 stuck in a dichotomy here in the U.S. Like, you know, we want to welcome everybody, we want to let them be a part, but then we have laws and rules that that govern that. And the problem is, I think if we just could govern it again, if we could um, monitor that again, the way it's written, then we would we would eliminate a lot of the problems that we have going on today yeah i when, when i was working corrections i had a bunch of uh, a lot of nigerians who were working uh with me and, and the facility i was at best workers i had i had work mm. hands down i would take them over anybody good workers solid workers but they came over legally and they're, they're doing their due diligence. Then they're working with people. And they're pissed. They're even more pissed off because of that. That people are just coming over willy-nilly. I had one guy, he's like, it took me eight years to get over here. And now they're they're allowing uh, refugees. Yeah, it's I, I don't know what the answer is. I know it's... Uh, up. It's it's an epidemic. It's above my pay grade, that's for sure. But. Yeah, it's way above what I got going on. I just know that we're fighting, trying to keep kids alive over here. So, like, I'm back to the the Narcan and, and fentanyl epidemic. I mean, if you can get your families and your parents and your leaders and your communities to listen to to carry Narcan, I mean, that's a that's a simple fix. We've had kids in, in the high schools and the grade schools have overdosed on fentanyl. And luckily, some of the schools have been prepared and had it. Some it didn't. And so, you know, I mean, it's 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 education, dude. It comes down to the same thing with the border. It's the same thing with fentanyl. It's the same thing with anything that we're battling. I mean, I just want to be educated, man. I want to be able to, to protect my tribe because I really that right now, that's all I can protect. Yeah. Now, what do you what do you do uh, to uh, educate people? Do you go to like schools and uh, yeah, universities or whatnot? Yeah, well, you know, we we uh, we put on concerts. We just did a Connections to Cure concert right here in Mesa, Arizona, where Ben Fuller, he's a Christian artist, uh, came also in recovery, came and did a phenomenal bang up job, dude. It was cool. So we, we, we're trying to raise awareness to addiction. Like what you see on the news, what you see driving around the homelessness is a very, very small percentage of addiction. It's dudes like you and I, man, it's, it's the judges and teachers and it's the normal people out there that are carrying this, that are going through and battling because of an injury or mental health and you know, and we're all carrying something, dude. And we're all just trying to get through it. But education, we go to schools, bro. We do uh, uh, tons of podcasts. We do, uh, we were on the news four or three times last week in Arizona. I mean, we are doing everything we can to just raise awareness. Are we winning? Hell, dude, I don't know. I just hope there's parents out there that are, that are listening. Because that's really who we're trying to get. That's our target audience is know what fentanyl looks like, understand the damage it can cause, what does an overdose look like, how do you reverse an overdose, all these things, dude, are just super important for people to understand. If you don't listen, if you turn it off, you know, like, ah, this doesn't, this doesn't apply to me and my family, 
it does. And so that's that's the warning right there. That that's the one thing that concerns me because I was talking to a, a young kid, young kid. I mean, I'm in my forties, but he was like in his twenties, and he was he was just saying some. He was like, "We should get rid of this politician." This politician was like, "Well, ask questions. It's the best way you can, you know, get done." Because a lot of people get in that cult mentality. I say to, to where if you have a group of people saying the same thing. You're going to start believing what that group of people say to you. So ask questions. Always ask questions. It's like, why is that person bad? I don't know. I just, and, and a lot of the times when you ask that question, it's like, hey, why is that person bad? Well, I don't know. It's just someone said he was a bad person. So I believe that person was saying a bad person. Did you talk to the guy? No. I'll go over there and I'll talk to the guy. Guys, is an upstanding person. We will end up going out and hanging out. Well, you know, play some pool or something, something fun. And he and the other person was like, "Why? Why are you hanging out with that person?" Because I got to know him, and he's actually pretty cool. He likes nerd stuff. I like nerd stuff. That's your in. <laughs> it's it's something simple, and education on parents. It it gets me nowadays, and sometimes I'm I'm really guilty of this. Is I'll just take a word that someone's okay, and they're not, and that yeah. and that goes with with anybody. You know, you can you can tell with the mannerisms, like someone's having a bad day. It's like, hey, are you hurting? I mean, this week alone, uh, one of my other coworkers, he was looking a little struff, and I was like. Do what happened? Are you are you having to take, you know, some something to deal with the pain? It's like, no, dude, I think I got bit by a spider. Go to the go to the emergency room. <laughs> if you're getting numb from the arm, go to the emergency room. There's something wrong. It, it's the simple fact that sometimes you gotta have somebody tell you is like you're messing up. So it it's just ridiculous. And a lot of the stint on uh, people, the way drugs are perceived is through Hollywood nowadays. That, that's a lot of people's education, which is really sad because a lot of the times, like I said, I I was watching these YouTube videos, and I thought as soon as you touch the stuff, you're down and out. That was my perception. I mean, it's a good kind of perception because I won't touch that stuff. Yeah. But in the long run – I'm I'm educated with this. This is the reason why uh, I love having people that actually went through this stuff and doing something about it and telling people it's like, listen, you gotta you gotta look at this side. You gotta look at all sides before you do that. And yeah, man. So, uh, you you, I was listening on the podcast. You're you're very uh, open on your uh, uh, religion. Christianity, I presume, right? Yeah. And, and you get a lot of uh, Christian bands uh, to go out and help you out with with your 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 message of what you're going through. Uh, did that get you through your addic- uh, your rehab too, to uh, through your addiction? Yeah, it absolutely did, man. That was my base, dude. You know, I I was I've always been a Christian. I've always been a believer of God. That's my higher power. Um, but in recovery, man, I, you got to get to a point to where you understand, you realize that you can't do this alone. Like I tried, man. I, I can't tell you the amount of times I tried to quit on my own. Like I got this, I'm strong. I'm mentally tough. I'm a cop, dude. Should I shouldn't be going through this. And I was weak, homie. That stuff made me weak. It like buckled me. And, uh, like admitting that I was powerless, admitting that I couldn't do it was, was the step in the right direction that I needed. And then uh, just relying on him saying, okay, all right, this one's not mine anymore. I'm giving this to you. Now let's walk together and let's get through this. So for me, my faith is, is, is the biggest thing that I rely on because it worked for me. You know, it got me through it because I'm a, I'm a science experiment, right? Before when I tried to do it on my own, I couldn't do it. I added him. I added that one variable and it changed my life. Okay. Now, 
with the music aspect, I mean, BC does this and so does Sky. They, they, what music did you listen to that actually got you through it? Was it just the Christian rock or was it just some, some other kind of music that got you through it? Too? Dude, I'm a headbanger, man. I'm a headbanger at heart. I, I love heavy metal, dude. I mean, growing up and, you know, I, but I, but I'm I'm versed, dude. I love all music. My kids gig like today, dude. I had Ricky Martin going <laughs> in my office. I'm like, I don't know, dude. I had Enrique Iglesias going right. I love that stuff in Pitbull today. I don't know why, but yesterday, dude, I was listening to Ben Fuller. Um, I listen to Johnny Cash. I'm a huge U2 fan. But then I then I go to NF. He's one of my favorite artists, dude. Like if I if I'm ever needing an, an up. I turn an F on, man. You know what I mean? If I'm traveling, I like some blues travelers. So, uh, I, you know, I, I think I got a good genre of music in this head, but music's a big thing, man. For me, music's a motivator. It, uh, it, it can put you in a good mood. It can help you out. So it's one of my tools for mental health, dude. You got to have that one song that pulls you out. Or yeah. or put you in it like I, we used to listen to Systems of the Down. Bodies hit the, uh, I think it was Systems uh, Disturb. The bodies hit the floor before we'd go hit a search warrant. Do we? You know, we had some music going, chilling, and whatever. You know, in in the room, and then uh, we get the van. We were ready to go. Mindset rock. Let's go. And so you know that kind of stuff was important to put you there. I usually get like the Conan the Barbarian uh, opening thing. Uh, oh, geez. Thing. Yeah. I mean, I'll go, I'll go deep. Uh, but the one thing I'm starting getting into is the uh, solo artists that 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 do all the music themselves, like Cam Cole. Uh, it, it's more or less blues, but he he does the drums. He does he does like harmonica. He does a guitar all by himself, hmm. and, he, and it sounds great. And he's one of those people that he's over come his depression his home uh, homelessness and he's become a like a really big uh artist in uh england and his big big debut worldwide was on uh ted okay ted laszlo and it i listed that I, I got to him on that and i was like oh okay let me listen to some more stuff and it's just it's kind of heavy but it's not heavy it's more bluesy. It's like a heavy blues, hmm. and that—that's when I ended up. But it—it's it, so weird that uh, music connects us in such a a, a different tone. If we want to calm down, we listen to something that's really calming. If we want to, we want to get that last rep in the gym. We go out and we listen to something like heavy or something that's going to push us to that extra limit, and. Even if we're having like a bad day, we listen to something that can just get us over that top. Yeah. No, you're right, dude. That's what it comes down to. And and dude, I have a I have a good playlist, man. I I I, I listen to it all the time. Do you know what I mean? Depending on and so in recovery, that's the music's a big thing, dude. And and not only that is, I think the expression is a big thing. You know, you talk about like a dude playing heavy. Um, one of the big things in recovery is sharing your story. That's heavy, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like people are like, Brock, how do you talk openly about the things you've done? Like, how do you, how do you talk about your pornography addiction? How do you talk about your sex addiction? How do you talk about this so openly? And it's like, um, you're not embarrassed by it, dude. I'm, I'm embarrassed by it. I did stupid stuff, you know, <laughs> but when you talk heavy, bro, like, I felt like I had a monster under my bed that I was pacifying. I was feeding it. I was just, I was just like allowing it to exist. I knew it was there. I knew it was this big event, right? This big thing. And it just kept growing. It kept growing. And I just like, as long as I fed it, it would be quiet. If that makes any sense. And, and it wasn't no, until. It makes perfect sense. It wasn't until I'm like, all right, dude, we, we, I got to rip your ass out of here and we got to fight because I got to kill you. Right. And, it's, and I had to get it out and I had to share and I had to talk about it. I had to, I had to like expose it and, and exposure is a big thing, dude. Like talking about your addiction. That's hard. That's hard. Yeah. You know, I was like, but 
once that's where I healed. That's where I started healing, dude. When I could talk about my addiction. Yeah, that's what a lot of people don't understand is like when I was going through uh, a lot of uh, death in my 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 family, and it was just like right after the other. It, it was one of those things is right after the other, and I, I, it was like ten, eight years later. They're like you, you just pop that out like it's nothing. I was like, I worked through it, and now it's nothing. It's still part of me, but I have to accept the fact that those scars are there and let you know. It's like, hey, see this right here? I know what you're going through. Let me help you out. Let me let me, let me, me give you a little bit. Just put your arm on my shoulder. I'm going to carry you for a little bit until you can get that to where you can come off. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people don't understand uh, how people can do that. Well, people don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Like, I think, I mean, I don't know about you, but I hid my addiction. I, I hid my pornography addiction. I started when I was eight. I overcame it when I was 42. That's a long time. Yeah. That... With nobody knowing about it. And repeating a senseless cycle that led to no good, that led to me feeling like a loser every time. Because I knew in my head it was wrong. Um, I knew in my head that I was tougher than that, like mentally stronger than that. But I wasn't. Like, I was just telling myself lies, dude. You know what I mean? Like, that's heavy shit. That's that's hard to talk about. For me, I think the hardest part about my addiction is that. Yeah. That. Because I don't feel like a chump, bro. I don't feel like a loser. I don't feel like... Um, the guy that's going to get addicted to pornography. Yeah, and a lot of people don't understand the, the the basic fact is like your looks. I mean, if I looked at you, I was like, "You're addicted to stuff." No, you're you're clean cut. You you look good. You look fit. You you can't be addicted to stuff. And they, it's most of the time, it's the people that look like they are having a great day. They're fit because they program themselves. Yeah. So nobody believes that they can do that. They can be addicted to stuff. They let them know. It's basically putting on a front, putting on a mask so you can get through your day, so you can get back home and get back to your addiction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's very, it's very a cycle, bro. I mean, if, if you understand addiction, addiction is a cycle. And until that cycle is broken – and I, have you have you experienced addiction before? Do you know Do you know much about? Have you ever tried to stop? Um, uh, I've never really had a problem with. It's like uh, I went through a phase where I was drinking. I was going okay, out. That, well, that's your first step, dude. Admit you have yeah. a problem. Yeah, <laughs> I I knew I was having a problem. I didn't want to feel that way, so I was like, I'm spending way too much money. Can you stop anytime? Yeah. Okay. Well, us dudes that are addicted, we can't just stop. Like. And that's what's that's where the mind shift comes in, where the where you feel totally like a loser because, like, there's days where I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm beating this thing's ass. I have so much willpower. I'm strong, and I don't use today. But guess what happens tomorrow? I have a bad day, right? And I white knuckle it, and I get through it. I'm like, yeah, dude, I got two days. And then I might get a week under my belt, and I'm feeling I'm feeling good, dude. And then I got a month under my belt, and I haven't used it in a month. And then something happens. I have a phenomenal day. I'm like, dude, guess what? I'm going to reward myself. I'm going to go look at porn. Yeah. And you hear that, and you're like, what the? What? What do you mean? Like, how is that a reward? Like, why do you reward? Because it wasn't about the porn. It was about the release. It was about the masturbation, right? Like, yeah. it was the use. When I used, everything calmed down. Everything felt right. And people are like, dude, you're sick. You're gross. It's disgusting. I may be, dude, but it made sense in my head. And yeah. there's a lot of people who are listening to this podcast right now going, holy shit, dude. I didn't realize this dude speaking my language. I thought I was the only dude out here going through that. And 
if he if he's if he's identified it, man, maybe I need to talk about it. Yeah. And that's that's the stuff, dude, right there. That's the magic. That's why I have people uh like you on this podcast. And it, it's for that basic fact is I might have somebody like in England listening because we get uh, other parts of the world w- with our podcast. I mean, few, but there might be someone like in England who just goes up and is like, huh, he's right. Let's cut it. And if, he and could- if there's one, if there's one dude out there. Yeah. I, I mean, we podcast, you have your show. I have my, I, dude, I really, I don't care if I have followers, bro. Like, honestly, I know people are like, then why would you spend the money and time? Because it's therapy session for me, dude. We sitting that, right here. Yeah. Sitting right here talking to you is like a damn therapy session for me. That last, the last time I had uh, what I call like life little, well, life's hiccups to where something really, it was, uh, I was trying to get uh, a, a, a baby away from her parents or and I was talking to the grandmother, got a hold of the grandmother, finally was getting CPS involved, wasn't fast enough, and the boyfriend ended up uh, murdering the child. I mean, I stood in the uh, bed next to this child until the doctor pulled the plug because I couldn't uh, save her. And it it took me two years, and I realized I literally did not I didn't know how to communicate with people anymore because I, I shut myself off for two mm. years. And it was then someone's like, you keep on listening to these podcasts. Why don't you make, make one. And just, I was like, I'm just going to get people's voices out there. I'm going to do uh, people that do charity. A couple of my friends come by and, and a lot of the conversations. And now I can actually talk to people again. Mm. It, it really is therapy. To the point where, hey, I I do believe I need to talk to people about a lot of the stuff. And sometimes yeah. a stranger is the best way to do it. Yes. And it's it's just very lethargic to the point where I'll end up, it's like, hey, I had this great conversation with this person. I was like, when I was talking with BC, we ended up doing a four-hour conversation. And it was like com. He's heavy in the comics, like I was having in the comics. He, we had we had some experience, kind of the same. There's a lot of stuff that he he did that was different than mine, but we had an honest to god conversation. It's like your addiction. I I I never had anything like super addicted to the point to the where I was almost. Uh, I felt that was almost dying, but. I had somebody in my life that was having that kind of problem. And I want to know what she was going through. Yeah, I right. know, uh, just to give up, which I, I I can't understand. Why why would you give up on a future that you haven't seen yet? And I I, I it's one of those things I just I'm curious. Did did you at any point in time during your recovery, did you uh uh, contemplate uh, suicide? Yeah, I did. I did. My, uh, I just, uh, my, my wife at the time or ex-wife was awarded custody of the kids. You know, I had like, she had decision-making and all that. Right. I still have, I still had custody. I still had rights to him. I still had opportunities to see him on my weekends and stuff, but I was no longer a hundred percent part of their life because of decisions I'd made. And there was a, there was an event where I was going up to see them. It was a three and a half hour drive from where I was living. And you have to go through the salt river Canyon. If you've never seen the salt river Canyon in Arizona, it's absolutely stunning, beautiful. One of the most beautiful places, but it's, if you go off the road, man, it's sheer cliffs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, dude, my kids don't need to go through this. This is bullshit. I've I've created this. They were sad. They knew dad was on his way to take them for the weekend. I was going to stay in a hotel, right? I didn't get to go to the house. It just, you know what I mean? Like the way your mind plays. And I'm driving up there and I just decided to kill myself. And I had my, my weapon in my center console. 
and I was, you know, I was retired at the time, but I, I still had my weapon and I pulled it out and I, I'm contemplating, I'm thinking, man, where, where am I going to do this? Where's a safe spot to pull off? I don't want to go off the road. And then I'm thinking, man, what first responder is going to have to find me, dude? Like I've seen death. I've seen the inside of a man's head before. You know what I mean? Like I've seen, I've seen death and I'm thinking that some dude's going to have to walk up on me and put my brain matter back in. And I, that's, that's really where my head was at, dude. That's where I was, you know, I'm like, that's bullshit. That's not fair to anybody, dude. And so I made myself a position. I, I pulled off on the side of the road and I'm like, okay, this is safe. No citizens. Nobody's going to really find me. They're going to have to look kind of hard to find me. And I pulled my weapon. I put it up to my, my face. And uh, you want to talk about divine intervention. If there's a God, um, I don't know where your spirituality is, but uh, in my life, he was present. And I heard my son, I have a son named Taven. And I heard his voice sitting in the backseat, like we're talking right here, dude, this audible mm-hmm. and said, dad, Hey, uh, you're not a chump. You're not going out this way. And the crazy part was I look around like dude, he's in the car with me, dude. Like he's sitting right here. That's how audible it was. But also another thing was he was the only person at the time that would have affected me like that. I needed to hear my son's voice. If it was an ex-wife or it was a friend that called me, it'd have been like, dude, don't talk to me. But his voice at that time rang familiar to me. Like I, I had a purpose, right? And uh, it's put the gun away, dude, and said, let's go. We're on it, man. Okay, if God's involved in this, if if he if he sees me, if he hears me, if he knows I'm real, um, if he knows what I'm going through, enough to send my son's voice to me, there's something bigger. There's a bigger plan here for me. And so I rolled out, dude. I rolled out, didn't tell many people. It wasn't until um, a few years ago, dude, that I talked to my boy about it and talked to him and said, Taven, man, I don't, I don't know. I've never shared this with you, but you have no idea you saved my life. And I shared it with him, dude. And we had a moment. We cried together, dude. He's like, he, I mean, that's real stuff, dude. You know, that's life. And, and so... I understand where people go. I understand the mental health component to addiction. And uh, that's why we need to talk about it. It's why we need each other Um, and not be fearful, dude, of judgment. Like if I get off this podcast and you say that guy was a chump, I'm not going to post this podcast. I'm okay with that. You you know what I mean? Yeah. But I, and I, and I should be willing to come on podcast and talk about it because it's not about me, dude. It's about if I can affect other men, if I can help other guys out there that are going through similar situations, um, if I can help them walk through this, dude, I'm in. Yeah, there's a lot of stigma about you know men who have to be. I mean, it, since we're physically stronger, we have to be mentally stronger, and we can't break down. I, I've had a friend just recently tell me, he's like, I can't talk to you right now. I got to be strong for my family because my ba- my dad just passed. I was like, okay, but you're getting that call. I don't care what you think, how strong you, you are. You're getting that call. You're my brother. And you're you, buddy check me, dude. Buddy yeah, check, right? That's that, all. That's, that's always the thing. And, and, and what, what's even stranger than that, the way, cause I'm because of how I've, I've lived my life with the suicides and the death that I've dealt with, I'm, I'm always waving at pe- the homeless people. I'm waving at people on the other side of the uh, uh, road that's passing me by. I, I read a story that if you just wave at a person and say hello, you could have changed their life that day mm. because they were probably thinking, hey, today's going to be the day that I'm going to I'm going to finally bite that bullet. Oh, that guy gave me a high five and said, everything's going to be fun. Maybe everything is going to be fun. You don't know what you're going to do for a person because yeah. you do that. That's what's the strange thing about just because we're social creatures. And during this past uh, uh, epidemic that we've had, we didn't have really good. On, I mean, we we're even told, hey, we can't give everybody hugs. Human contact is literally the best therapeutic thing. If you come up to me, it's like, Hey, I'm having a bad day. You want a hug? I've, I had grown man just look at me. He's like, I'm not, I don't give a shit, dude. You need a hug. I'll give you a hug. I don't care. If it's a side hug, it's a side hug. But you, if you, do you need a hug? 
I he was like, yeah, I kind of do. Okay. Oh yeah. It's it it's it doesn't cost many of these things, and yeah, I probably just lift that up guy up like hundred percent. For sure, man. I love that. Well, keep doing what you're doing, man. I love this. This is good stuff for you. I think you got a good platform. Yeah. Keep doing this. I I I try a little bit. Every once in a while, you get you get people that you like. Really, but but uh, yeah, that's that's about an hour, bro. We can thank you, brother. I appreciate you having me on here, man. You guys are doing good stuff out there. I like the Angry Me podcast, the name of it, man. So. <laughs> Thank you for nope, having me. No problem, bro. And uh, if anything, uh, check out his podcast, uh, Chase the Vase, uh, and go to his Instagram. He's always posting uh, videos, inspiring people, letting people know uh, what's going on with the drug addiction, addiction, and, and all that. But uh, and I'll post the link on all of his stuff on, on the description so you can check it out. But I'm David Dickerman. Thank you all for listening.